All right. I'm going to pray, and we're going to you know, jump into the message, man, and then the pizzas and cookies are ready for us uh, here in a few minutes. We can get down on those. Uh, Father God, I thank you again for a chance to gather with an old friends and new tonight. God, I pray that you bless this time. Uh, bless the teaching of your word. God, would you prepare our hearts beforehand, God, to receive what you want us to receive. Holy Spirit, that we get out of this what you want us to get out of it. Uh, and God, that you'd speak just what you want spoken, God, directly to hearts tonight. God, that this would be uh, meaningful, God, to the people that are here. God, that you'd speak to us, that you'd shape us and mold us to be the people you want us to be. Uh, God, that you'd reveal yourself to people uh, that are wanting to know you more. God, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I've got... Uh, a quote I want you guys to look at. It's going to be up there. You guys may have seen this quote before. I'm not seen it cir- circling on social media a couple times before. It's been like misattributed to like a dozen different people. Uh, so I did a little, I did a little, I've seen it like attributed to Mark Twain and a few other different people, but doing a little reading on it. It's actually this guy here, Ernest T. Campbell. Like who who's first like documented is saying it, but this is the quote. Again, you guys probably saw this maybe on Twitter, or Facebook, or Instagram, or something. It says, "There's two. The two most uh, important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why." And that's like one of those things that you're like, "Whoa, that's deep." The two most important days in your life: the day you were born and the day you find out why. The day you find out why you were born. Why? Why did God put you on this earth? I Man, why? Why did? Uh, why, why do you exist? What is your purpose? What's the meaning for your life? Uh, and, and so, again, whatever you think of that quote, and you may, you may disagree, you may say, like, I man, I think the most important day of my life, because I don't really remember the day I was born, right? That was, like, really meaningful to my parents, but, I mean, I don't remember it at all. So maybe the most important day of my life might be my wedding day, you know, the day I hold my child for the first time, something like that. I don't know. But that second one, man, the day you find out why, man, that hits us. That's like, man, that gives us something to think about. Man, and, and that's kind of what we're talking about tonight, what we're thinking about tonight. Uh, figuring out, man, what is our purpose? What is our calling? Uh, why were we made? You know, are we just an accident? Are we a mistake? Are we just molecules bouncing around in the universe? Or if there's a God and he made us, what did he make us for? Like, what's the point of life? Life is tough. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of struggle. And it's all, if it's all for no reason, right, what's the point? So, so we're going to talk about, is there, is there a purpose? You know, like this quote says, you know, are, are we going to awaken to find out, you know, God, why did you make me? You know, what was the purpose of my life? What's the reason for my life? Uh, I want to share a little bit of my story with you guys. So when I was uh, 18, I moved away to school, went to the University uh, of Tennessee, and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Like, I, I was really trying to figure all that out. Uh, I had friends that had it all planned out. You guys have those friends in high school that, like, they, they already knew what they were going to be. Uh, they, knew, they knew what career path. They knew how many kids they were going to have. They knew where they were going to live and everything. And then you're sitting there like, I don't know anything. Like, I don't know if I fall into a life because I don't have any kind of plan uh, going on. And I had, I had friends that, yeah, they had it all planned out. They knew what they were doing. I had no idea at all. Uh, so I went, I went to school, went to university. Uh, they said I had to pick a major. Like I had to decide what I wanted to study. I couldn't just hang out. Um, so I chose advertising because alphabetically it was one of the first ones listed. I thought, okay, I can do that. Um, any other advertising, marketing, PR, communications people? No, okay. Oh, a couple. A couple. Uh, and so, yeah, so I, I picked that. I studied that. I don't know what I want to do with my life. Uh, I really had no idea. And I picked advertising, but I, I didn't necessarily just want to work for an ad firm for the rest of my life or sit behind a desk. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, but I've become a Christian not long before that, and I'd pray. So I'd ask God, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Like, what do you, what do you want me to, to be, to do, uh, to major in, to be a career, those kind of things? Uh, and I spent time praying and seeking the Lord on that. But 
honestly, I didn't, I didn't really hear anything, so I just kind of kept on going with what I was doing. I had friends that felt like they were called to be pastors and youth pastors and these different things, so they go off to Bible college and all these things, and I'd pray, God, I'm a Christian. Don't you want me to go to Bible college? No. You know, I didn't, I didn't hear anything, right? So, okay. So I went to this regular, uh, regular secular university um, and started going to classes, and, and not long ago I got connected with uh, a ministry called Kayak. I walked into a meeting a lot like this one uh, years ago as a college freshman, um, and, and I met some friends, right? I met, I met a group of guys, a group of girls that quickly became a family for me on campus. Uh, they became a home away from home, a group of people that I could, I could count on, depend on, to be there for me during tough times, uh, to encourage me, to help me, uh, and help me to grow my faith and just help me with life in general. Um, and so I started getting involved with Chi Alpha. I got involved with a, a life group, and my life group leaders were these guys named Clint and Curtis, uh, and those guys were mentors to me, man. I, I really looked up to them, I respected them, I learned a lot from them. And then I went, uh, came a time for me uh, to, to think about man, leading, and I'm leading the Bible study myself, and uh, you know, I was talking to the campus pastor there about uh, man, what that would be like, and he said, hey, I want you to go to this conference out in Seattle, Washington, it's going to equip you, you know, with some different things you can learn uh, to, to be a better Bible study. He said, sure, I'll do that. Uh, and then we, uh, so I flew up to Seattle. This is, this is the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. They had us doing campus ministry stuff. They're at Western Washington University, meeting with students, doing outreach, doing Bible study stuff. And it was, it was while I was there. Uh, and one night I was just praying, asking God again. The same thing I prayed a lot of times before. God, what do you want me to do with my life? You guys ever prayed that prayer? Like, God, what is the point in my life? What's the purpose of my life? Um, thank you for those honest hands. I saw all the rest of you were like, no, I already know. Right here, it told me. Um, yeah, so I'm praying, and uh, as I'm there praying, I, I really felt like I heard, heard distinctly from God, Matt, I want you to do this. I'm talking about campus ministry. I want you to and give your life to uh, love on university students, uh, teaching university students. And, um, and it, so the first time, I felt like I had some, had some clarity. Okay, that makes sense. And of course, man, I confirmed that through lots of different ways over the next several years. But then as I would, as I would sit down to, and lead Bible studies, teach students, uh, mentor students, uh, it was one of those, and, help you, and some of you guys may have never felt this, but some of you guys maybe have, where you're doing something you feel like, man, I was made for this. Like, God, oh, this is why you created me. Some of you guys are, are musicians, right? And you play, play your instrument. It's like, man, I love this. I was made for this. Some of you sing. You're like, man, God, this is why you made me. I just love this thing. Some of you guys, it's been, you're on, a, you're on a soccer field. I mean, if you just go all day, it's like, God, you made me kick this soccer ball. Some of you guys play Call of Duty. You know, like, God, I was made for this. <laughs> I was made to be sniping these people and doing the no-look 360s or something. Anyway. Um, anyway, so some of you guys, like, and I would love to experience that, figure out why God's made me. Uh, we're going to be talking about those, those kind of things tonight. If, if, you're, if you're sitting in here and you're like, I have no idea, don't, don't feel bad, right? Like we're all on a journey. We're all getting more clarification. God's guiding us and directing us. And he's faithful to guide us and direct us. You don't have to worry about that. Um, but I do believe that God's, God's got a calling and a purpose for each and every one of you in here. Um, and, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. Uh, these next three weeks, we're going to be doing a short series to the first few books of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is a book in the Old Testament. Uh, Jeremiah is a prophet to the kingdom of Judah. Uh, and to set up a little bit about who, who Jeremiah is. Um, you know, God, God calls Jeremiah to be a prophet during a really rough time during the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah's history. Uh, and, and really, like all of Israel and Judah's history is rough. Is written through the Bible, but uh, and they go through different seasons where where the people are uh, rebellious against God, and they turn they turn away from following God. These are God's people, God's chosen people that He led out of. 
captivity of slaves that led him out of Egypt, gave him a promised land, um, and he, they, they established a kingdom. And he said, hey, if you guys will serve me, uh, then you'll be my people and I'll be your God. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to have everything you need. And he did. And, and, and he kept every promise. But the people, they served God for a little while. But then they, then they start serving the idols of the countries around them. Uh, then they start serving other things instead of God. God had a less of a place in their life, and, and idolatry grew. Uh, and if we're reading the Old Testament, we see them do this again and again and again. They turn away from God, and they start, turn instead to idols. They, they fall into idolatry. Uh, and whenever that happens, God speaks to the prophets, and he says, Hey, wake up! And stop serving these idols, these, these things you've carved out of wood and stone that aren't really God and can't really help you. Like if you have a problem, like a real problem, and if you go pray to a statue that you carved yourself, how in the world is that thing going to help you with your problem? Like really, right? Uh, and so these prophets would say, hey, man, instead turn to the Lord, the Lord that saved you, the Lord that called your ancestors out of Egypt and has worked miracles for you, the God that wants to bless you and provide for you. That's, that's the Lord. You need to serve him and turn away from these idols. And so we see a cycle of this again and again and again. We think, man, these Israelites, like what is wrong with them? That they keep turning to idolatry. Except we realize, man, we do the same thing, right? Like we, we'll, we'll follow God for a little bit and we'll get distracted by something else and realize and that's kind of taking God's place in our life is the, is the most important thing. And we realize, oh man, I need, to, I need to set that stuff down and follow God again. Um, but so Jeremiah is, is, is being called to, to speak to the people of Judah um, during a time where they've been going through this cycle of turning to idolatry again and again and again. And God's saying, and if you keep up with this, like if you keep turning to idolatry, there's going to be judgment that comes upon you because of that. There's going to be disaster that comes upon you because of that. Um, when you don't have that, that, that blessing on your life from serving me, uh, and these neighboring countries that hate you, like they're going to invade you and take you into captivity. Uh, it already had happened before, um, the, the, the nation of Israel. Like originally it was just one country, right, for uh, King Saul, King David, King Solomon. And after King Solomon, it split into two countries, uh, Israel and Judah. Israel had already been conquered and taken into captivity, so all that was left was Judah. Uh, and Jer- Jer- Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to Judah saying, hey, like, you guys need to, to cut out this idolatry, start serving the Lord again, or else the same thing that happened to Israel is going to happen to you. You're also going to be conquered and taken into captivity. Um, if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, your neighbor might have a Bible you can look at. You might have the Bible on your phone. I don't mind that. Uh, the pull of Jeremiah chapter 1, also all the, all the verses, all the scriptures will be up here as well. And if you don't own a Bible, or maybe you just didn't bring it with you to college and you want one, Kyle finds a lot of free Bibles that you could take home. So see, see us tonight. Make sure you take one home. Chase got one there. Uh, and then, then you can have one that that's for you to have and, and for you to take home and for you to keep. That's yours forever as our gift to you. Uh, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 4. So we have God, God's calling Jeremiah to be a prophet to these people uh, and warn them, hey, all this idolatry is going to bring man, nothing but disaster upon your life, nothing but destruction upon your life. I love you. I want better for you than that. And leave your idolatry and serve me. And he's calling Jeremiah. Uh, and we see his actual calling of Jeremiah here in the first chapter. So this is Jeremiah. He writes it down. He says, and starting in verse 4, it says, The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
All right, so let's look at that, that call. Uh, God speaks to Jeremiah. For such a huge thing. Like God, God speaks to you and says, hey, I'm calling you to be a prophet. Like, I, I don't know what I would do with that, right? If, if God, God spoke to me and, and I'm hanging out and I, I hear the voice of the Lord and he says, hey, I'm calling you to be a prophet. Uh, not only that, I knew you uh, when you were in your mother's womb. I formed you. I knew you before. I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you before and set you apart and appointed you as a prophet. And not just to the kingdom of Judah, but to the nations. Uh, and he says, man, this is a call that I've put on your life. Imagine, imagine God calling you to do something like that. Uh, say, man, I've got a plan for your life. And it's not a plan I just came up with. Like, I didn't just come up with it this afternoon and now I'm telling you. God says, this has always been the plan for your life. This is what you're made for. Like, when I was knitting you together in your mother's womb, when I was putting the different cells, lining them up, connecting the different things that this connects to the hip bone, connects to the leg bone, when I put you together, like, I already got this plan in mind. This is going to be my prophet to the nations. This, this man, this, guy, this little baby is going to grow to a man who's going to proclaim the word of God to a people that are stubborn and rebellious and, and steeped in idolatry. And he's going to call them back to serve the Lord. He's going to proclaim warnings. Hey, if you, if you don't, stop, don't turn away from your idolatry, there's going to be disaster and destruction. Serve the Lord. The Lord is good. He's going to bless you. He's going to take care of you. And, and as he's forming Jeremiah and Jeremiah's mother's womb, uh, he's already got that plan for him. Already got a plan for his life. And he, he's not even a born baby yet, right? And so this is a, it's a crazy idea that, you know, God would have that kind of plan for our lives before, before we were born, right? Before we were even made. Uh, when we're just, uh, they used to say, a twinkle in our parents' eyes. You know, God, already, God already knows you. He knows what your life's going to be. He's got a plan for your life. And, and, and what this speaks to us, now God's got different plans and purposes for all of us, right? Jeremiah was called to be uh, a prophet to the nations, a prophet to the kingdom of Judah. You're not called to be a prophet to the kingdom of Judah, but God's got something else he's called you to do, right? Something only you can do, right? He, he, he wants you to do a purpose, he wants you to fulfill a specific calling on your life. And like that quote we looked, about, looked at earlier, like, and it, it's significant when you kind of step into that and realize, this is why I'm in God, this is why I exist. This is what you planned for me to do when you were knitting me together in my mother's womb. Uh, I'm not an accident, right? And that's something, I mean, something I'll need to take away from tonight is that you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. God made you on purpose. Even if your parents didn't mean for you to be, to, 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 to come to be, you're a mistake to God. You know, every single human being, Scripture tells us, is made in God's image. Every human being. Uh, every nationality, from every country, uh, every color of skin, every single person, all seven and a half billion people, every single one is made in God's image, is made on purpose, uh, has a purpose from God. And because every single person is made in God's image, that means every single person has value, has dignity, has worth. Every person you meet, you're not going to meet any people that are accidents, that are mistakes, you know, that God doesn't care about, right? Every single human you come in contact with is someone that God made, someone that God loves, someone that Jesus died for. So that's what we treat everybody with respect, right? It, it doesn't matter what they look like, it doesn't matter where they come from, what country they come from, uh, and rich or poor, red, yellow, black, or white, or green. Like, it doesn't matter, right? Every single person made in the image of God and deserves our respect because they have dignity, value, and worth. Uh, not because of who they are, but because of who made them. God made them, and they reflect the image of God. You're not a mistake. 
You're not an accident. You're not molecules bouncing around in a random, uncaring universe. It just happens to look like you, right? Like, like for random molecules, like, God is pretty good, right? To just be bouncing around in a universe totally random. But that's not the case, right? God crafted you. God made you. He made you on purpose. He made you with purpose. Uh, God created you, and he loves you. Let's look at what King David has to say about it. King David's writing in Psalm 139. 139, starting in verse 13. It should be up there. Uh, Psalm 139, David writes this. He says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You watched me as I was formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me even before I was born. Get this, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And that's huge. That's huge. You know, so, so, so David's writing the psalm to the Lord. He says, God, you're the one that created me. I'm not a mistake. I'm not an accident. Uh, I'm not just one more, one more son born to the shepherd family, right? Uh, God, you made me on purpose. Uh, you knit me together in my mother's womb. When I was just a, a cluster of cells, God, you had a plan and a purpose for my life. And you, you knew who I was, and you had, a, you had a plan. And he says, every single one of my days was already planned out. It was already written in a book before a single one of them had come to pass. Every day that you lived, good days, bad days, Man, not a single one of them took God by surprise. He wasn't like, oh, that was a rough day. I didn't mean for that. I'm sorry, Trayvon. It's not like that, right? Like, he, he knows them all, right? Like, he's, he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's sovereign. And he has a viewpoint that's better than ours. Man, outside of time, he's able to see the whole scope of human history. Uh, and he knows what's going to happen. That's how, that's how prophecy works. That's how he's able to say uh, with clarity, man, throughout Scripture, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And we see that fulfilled in history, which is awesome. Uh, is, man, he's able to see the whole thing. And like, so when he's there creating you, right, and you're, you're not even born yet, in your mom's stomach, and, and, and he's knitting you together, he's got a plan for your life, a purpose for your life. Every single day, and he knows what it's going to be, your first day to your last day, uh, and part of the exciting adventure of life is we can figure out what it is. We can figure out what is God's plan for my life. God, what is your purpose for my life? Why did you make me? Why did you put me here? But I can know confidently from Scripture, it's not for no reason. Right? I'm not an accident. I don't. I didn't just happen to be. There's not a person that just popped up that caught God by surprise. Like, oh, I didn't need to make that one. What are we doing this one? He doesn't fit into the rest of the plane. He's just a. Uh, I'll figure out something. Right? I'll just make it up as I go along. No. No, I man. God had a plan for you before before you, you first saw daylight. Before your first cry. Uh, and God, God had to figure it out. Right? He, he, he's not forgotten you. You're not a mistake. God made you on purpose and with a purpose. Uh, and I should encourage you, right? Because God made you in the image of himself, you have infinite value, infinite worth uh, as an image bearer of God. And he's made you with a purpose. That's so what we're looking at tonight is what is that purpose? Why did God make us? What is the purpose of our lives? Uh, and I do believe God has specific plans for each of you, like specific things he wants you to do. Specific things he wants you to accomplish uh, over the course of your life. And he'll guide you and direct you to what those things are. And he's not going to give it to you all at once. Like, he's not going to unroll this whole thing and you're going to know exactly what you're going to do like when you're 46 years old and where you're going to be living in uh, every single detail. It's kind of like a one step at a time thing. And if he didn't give us all that, it'd probably be pretty overwhelming too, right? Um, but 
I believe you've done God this time. Specific things that only you can do. And there's specific things only Mark can do, right? Only Anna can do. Only Anna can do, right? They, 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 there are certain things that he's made you to do, and no one else on the planet can do that but you. Um, but then there's also a general purpose for each and every one of us is the same, right? God's specific plan for each of us is different. God's general purpose for all of us is the same. It's two things. The first is that we would know him, right? That's the reason God made us. When we're looking at scripture, then what was the purpose for God creating human beings, right? So they could have fellowship with him. So they could be in community with him, right? So he could love them. They could receive his love and they would love him back. He created humans to know him, to have a relationship uh, with him. That we'd know him, that we'd enjoy him, and that we'd have a relationship with him through Christ Jesus. That's the first reason. Again, that's every single human being. That, that's their purpose. That's why they exist, is so they can know God, so they can have a relationship with God. And then the second one is that we would make him known to others, right? Once we know him, and then we can introduce other people to him. Say, hey, let me introduce you to this guy. Uh, that's given my life purpose and value and meaning, the God who saved me, who's transformed my life, uh, to tell people about, right? When uh, Jesus was asked, out of all the commands, what are the most important commands? Because um, there's a lot, right? If you're going through the Bible, there's, there's a lot of commandments, there's a lot of rules. And someone asked Jesus, so what are the most important ones? Like, I don't know if I'm going to keep all these, so what are the big ones? And he said, uh, man, if you keep these two, everything else is going to take care of itself. If you love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. So love God with all you got. Give him your best. That's the first one. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, just love other people like crazy. Then every other law is going to take care of itself. If you love your neighbor and you love God, are you going to be stealing from people, murdering from people, committing adultery? No. Right? So it says if you, if you do those two things, the rest of us going to fall into place. You don't have to worry about everything as much. Uh, and that's the core of our purpose. We're made to love God. You are made to love people. And, and the most loving thing you can do for your neighbor, for your roommate, for your classmate, for your coworker, if they, they don't know God, if they don't have a relationship with God, the most loving thing you can do is introduce them to God. Say, hey, here's a different Jesus name in my life. Here's what God's done for me, and he'd love to do it for you too. Right? So those are the two general purposes for all of us. And we have the same purpose, and that's exciting, to know God, to enjoy him, to have a relationship with him, and then to introduce other people to him. Share, share him with other people. So let's look at number one. Uh, now, what does it take to know God? And if the purpose of my life is to know God, and I would say, okay, well, how do I, how do I know him? How, how do I know a God who's, who's invisible, that I can't see or taste or touch, right? It seems like God's kind of ethereal. I can idea. How, how do I know him? How do I have a relationship with God? Um, and the great thing about God is that he's not a distant force in the cosmos, right? That created the earth, set it standing, and said, peace out, you're on your own. Right? But God is knowable. He's relational. Uh, he's revealed himself to us. So we don't have to wonder what he's like. He's revealed himself to us. And throughout, uh, throughout the ages, man, through, through prophets, speaking through prophets, who has been reported in scripture saying, hey, this is God's character. This is what he's like. He's revealed himself to people. Uh, and so we can know for sure the kind of God that we serve. And then that, that ultimately was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, God, God's own son who uh, came on the earth 2,000 years ago and lived before people uh, and, and demonstrated God's character to people and taught people how they can know God and how they can live in a way that pleased God. Uh, and and he, he, he modeled God's character for them uh, and then died a sacrificial death on the cross uh, so that people could have a relationship with God. See, the biggest obstacle 
to any of us knowing God uh, is, is our own sin and the things that, that, that we do wrong. And that's every single human being that's ever lived. Every single one of us has times that we're prideful, times that we're selfish, times that we do things that hurt us or hurt other people, right? The things the Bible calls sin, destructive things, every single one of us does that. And because God is absolutely perfect, absolutely holy, uh, and it's impossible for him to have a relationship and with us, with, with, with all that, that, that sin and the ugliness and that garbage inside us. Um, the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is what he did for us on the cross. Uh, you know, the, the, this horrific thing, Jesus nailed to a cross, dying and suffering, uh, God turned it into the most beautiful thing, the most glorious miracle in all of history, is he took all the punishment that I deserved for everything I've ever done wrong, and he laid it on Jesus instead. He took all the, all, all the punishment, all the wrath against, all the anger against the, the wickedness that I've done, that you've done, that every person's done, and instead of us receiving that, right, and being separated from God forever, which is what I deserve, instead he laid it on Jesus. Instead, so that instead of receiving judgment from God, we can receive mercy and grace and forgiveness. And so when I put my trust in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross, I can ask God to forgive me, and he does. He gives me a fresh start and a clean heart. And it doesn't matter what I've done in this life. It doesn't matter how big I've blown it, how big I've failed, what I've done wrong. When I ask God to forgive me, he does because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that's the good news, right? Uh, is that we can put our trust in Jesus and have everything we've ever done wrong forgiven. And then in that moment, uh, we're made right with God forever. And God adopts us into his family as a son and as a daughter. And that moment, our identity changes. Now, we're talking about purpose, talking about calling. Uh, in that moment, we put our trust in Jesus to be our Savior. We ask Him to save us from our sins, make us right with God. He does. And in that moment, you become a son of God, a daughter of God. And you'll be that for all eternity. Right? And when this life on earth is over, you'll spend forever in heaven with God, enjoying Him forever. The rest of the good news is that and Jesus didn't stay dead. Right? A lot of people can claim to be God. right? And then when they die, you're like, well, that probably wasn't really God. Right? Uh, but then Jesus, three days later, He rose from the dead. And then he appears to hundreds of eyewitnesses, people that saw him alive after being dead, confirming and that what he said was true. When Jesus said that he was one with God, that he was God, that he was the Son of God, and you can take that to the bank because he rose from the dead. And so all those eyewitnesses, they start telling their friends, they start telling their friends, and Christianity spread like wildfire there through the Middle East of those first few centuries uh, until, you know, a hundred years later, it became the dominant world religion. Uh, all these people saying, hey, here's what Jesus did for me. Jesus saved me. Let me tell you about that, right? And if you guys are here tonight and you've never uh, put your trust in Jesus now, you never said, uh, God, would you please forgive my sins because of what Jesus said on the cross? I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be separated from you, God. Uh, I want to be with you forever. Uh, and, and God, would you please forgive me? We're going to have a chance to pray that a little bit later tonight. Uh, pray for your sins to be forgiven. Pray for you to have a fresh start here tonight. You can walk out of this room a brand new person with a clean slate. Uh, a son, a daughter of God. And so that's the good news of the gospel, right? That we can know God, that we can have a relationship with God, that we can put our trust in Jesus, and then from that day forward, uh, we can know God, have a relationship with Him like a, like a son has with a father, like a daughter has with her father. That's the way God chooses to identify Himself throughout Scripture. And one of the ways is as a, as a father who loves His children. And you can know God like that. You can have a relationship with God like that. You can pray to God like that. And then that second purpose... And how do we make him known to others? And you may think, that's the scary part, right? <laughs> that's the part that I'm not so comfortable with. Now, I'm kind of shy, though, right? 
Like, it's easy for you, you may think, to stand up here and talk about, talk about God, talk about scripture, talk about Jesus. Uh, that's not so easy for me, right? I try to talk to my classmate about that and just like nonsense comes out. Or like, I get all tongue-tied, I don't know what to say, I make a fool of myself so I just don't do it. Um, isn't that like for missionaries and pastors to do too? Right? I don't really have to do that second part, right? Telling other people. Let me look at the last words of Jesus, right? The very last words of Jesus that we have recorded uh, in the scriptures. The, you know, Jesus rose from the dead, uh, and he was with his followers for about 40 days after the resurrection, uh, again, proving himself alive so they would know for sure he's the son of God. Uh, and then after 40 days, he says, I'm going to ascend to heaven. And I'm going to send my Holy Spirit who's going to be in you, live through you, empower you to live for me. Uh, and there's going to come a day that I'm going to come back for you. But I'm going now to prepare a place for you in heaven. And the last words he has, uh, the, the gifts to his followers are these. It's going to be Matthew 28. Starting in verse 18. Jesus says this. He says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. This command, in your Bible, it might, it might be labeled the Great Commission, or you may have heard it taught in church as the Great Commission. This is Jesus commissioning, again, not just pastors, not just missionaries, but every single one of us that follows him, saying, here's, here's what I want you to do. If you want to be a follower of me, again, you're going to know God, you're going to enjoy God, have a relationship with God, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to teach everyone to obey what I've taught you. I want you to make disciples of who? All nations. That's everybody, everywhere. So that's like everybody on your street, everybody at your school, everybody at your work. Like, make sure everybody has an opportunity to hear the good news of the gospel, what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. That God has given them an opportunity to have all their sins forgiven and, and be made right with God forever. Make sure people around you know that. And teach you to follow me, disciple them, to baptize them. Uh, and we're not going to get super into baptism. Baptism is just a public demonstration that I'm no longer going to live for myself, but I'm going to live for Christ. Right? Make, make that public demonstration and let these people follow Jesus and teach them to follow Jesus. Uh, and I want you to do that. Again, not just pastors, not just missionaries, but every single one of y'all. And I want you to go out there and make disciples. Teach other people to follow me. And if you've experienced joy and peace and love in me, and introduce, introduce your neighbor to me, your coworker, your classmate, your brother, your sister, your cousin. Uh, and people in your life that are far away from God that need to know me. Uh, and I want you to share, you know, share, share, what, share what God's done for you with them. Uh, share the gospel with them. Share the good news with them. Invite them to know God. And the promise that Jesus gives at the end is that, and we don't do it alone. Right? Because that's a big responsibility. Jesus, how am I supposed to, to lead my family to Christ? Right there, some hard-headed folks. How am I supposed to lead my family to Christ? How am I supposed to lead my classmates to Christ? They don't even like me, right? How am I supposed to lead my coworkers to Christ, right? Uh, Jesus, I don't think I can do that. You're right, you can't do it. But the good news is that Jesus says, I'm going to be with you, right? Uh, when you put your trust in Jesus, uh, like I said, man, your sins are forgiven and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you and through you. Uh, God's going to help you. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you. For how long? Always. To the very end of the age. You don't do any of it alone. Right? Whenever you go to share your faith with somebody, you're not going alone. Right? You've got Jesus there with you, the power of the Holy Spirit to help you. 
Uh, the Bible promises in Luke uh, that we don't have to worry beforehand what we're going to say. That in that moment, Holy Spirit's going to give us the words we need to speak. Right? That exactly what that person needs to hear. So we just need to be obedient. To open our mouth and to love on people. Right? And the Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. But Jesus says, I promise that I'm going to be with you. I promise I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. If we jump back to Jeremiah, and we're going to close here. Uh, this is the exact same promise that God gave to Jeremiah as well. When we look back at Jeremiah's response to God's call on his life, uh, you know, Jesus calls us to the nations, right? Go make disciples of all nations. Uh, and, and God's calling Jeremiah here to be a prophet to the nations. But he's going to speak to Judah. But again, the same God that, that knows his whole life, beginning to end, that had the whole thing planned out while he was still getting made in his mother's womb, says, and your, your prophecy is going to be written down and recorded, and those things are going to go all over the world. Some guy in a city in Memphis, which hasn't even been founded yet, is going to be teaching thousands of years later from, from your book, right? You're going to reach the whole world. I'm going to make you a prophet to the nations. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. What was Jeremiah's response? Right? Jeremiah's response to that was like, yeah, God, I'm on board. Let's do it. Let's get it, baby. Is that, is that Jeremiah's response? No, Jeremiah's response looks a lot like our response. This is a lot like what a lot of us would respond if God were to call us. He says, God, I can't do it. I can't do it, God. I'm too young. Right? I'm too young. You've got the wrong guy. Like, the, you can't mean me. Right? And these are the same kind of excuses we would give God to. God, God, I know that you love me. And I know that you also love my neighbor who's lost his city and, and far away from you. But God, you don't understand. I'm really shy. I'm painfully shy. Or God, I don't know enough. Or God, I'm kind of insecure. Uh, God, surely you, you must mean someone else. I'm too inexperienced. I've never done it before. And we got all these excuses for God. And what does God say to our excuses? He says, don't be afraid of people. Don't be afraid of people. That's what a lot of it is, is that we're afraid of people. And if I share my faith, if I share love of Jesus with people, what are people going to think? Are they going to reject me? Is that going to be the end of the friendship? Uh, like, my coworkers don't like me anyway. They're going to like me even less uh, after that. And we're worried. What are people going to say? What are people going to do? And, and God says very clearly, don't be afraid of people. Don't be afraid of people. And he says, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be with you. The same promise Jesus gave his followers, gave all of us. I'm going to be with you. You don't do it alone. You don't go alone. You don't go in your own strength. Uh, but God's there with you. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to help you. And you pray about those conversations before you have them. You've got people in your life that you know need to know the Lord. I'm going to pray for those people. Say, God, would you give me an opportunity, even this week, to share Jesus with a classmate, with my roommate, uh, with my coworker, my friend, my cousin. Um, and pray for those meetings. And trust that God's going to give the words to say in that moment. Uh, and that you'll have an opportunity to lead them in the relationship with God, that they can discover the purpose for their lives as well. You know, tonight we're talking about purpose. We're talking about uh, the reason God made us, the reason we exist. And, and some of you guys may have felt like at different times in your life that I don't think I exist for any reason. I think I'm just an accident. I think I'm just random. And I can tell you with confidence, that's not true. God made you on purpose. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. Uh, part of the adventure of life is figuring out what in the world that plan is, right? Uh, but he's faithful, man. And throughout scripture, promises that he's going to guide you, he's going to direct you, he's going to anoint your steps. He's not made you just to kind of wander around in the dark and bump into stuff all your life, right? He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. As you seek after him and follow him, he's going to make sure you end up where you're supposed to end up. But you can be confident that the purpose of your life is very clear, crystal clear throughout Scripture. The purpose of your life is just to know God. 
have a relationship with God and to just enjoy Him forever. And, and the second purpose is to share that love you know, with everyone you Share the good news. Hey, here's what God's in a mile. I was a hot mess before God got a hold of me, right? Like, my life is terrible. Uh, and I was doing this and this and this. Uh, and then I gave my life to Jesus and, and he saved me and he forgave me. Uh, and he changed my heart, changed my desires. The terrible, destructive things I was into before, man, I, I'm not into those things anymore. I just want to live in a way that pleases him. And, uh, and let me show you the difference he's made. I found a joy, I found a peace, I found a love, right? I want you to share that with people, right? So we're going to take a minute and pray. Uh, for some of you guys, I want to know that kind of purpose. I want my life to have that kind of meaning. Uh, some of you guys, man, they pray that prayer. Put your trust in Jesus before us. So, man, I, I need more, more, more confidence to share my faith with my friends. I need boldness. I need to, to, to just reaffirm in my spirit that idea that God is with me, that I don't go alone, that the Holy Spirit's going to help me. Amen. So, you guys bow your heads. Um, Jackie, we're going to come up to the guitar. Uh, we're going to turn the Lord in prayer real quick as we, as we close here. Father God, I thank you for your word. Um, God, as we start to look at the, the ministry of Jeremiah in these next couple weeks, um, God, I pray that you speak to our hearts that we would learn from Jeremiah's ministry. God, thank you that you understand um, our timidity, our fears. Uh, God, that, that, that you're not calling us uh, to, to, to do something, not, not, not aware of who we are, God. And that you promise, God, you're going to be with us and you're going to help us, Lord. Thank you for that, Jesus. If there's anyone here tonight that says, hey man, I'm, I'm not a Christian, I, and I don't, I don't know about God, but what you're talking about, about uh, Jesus, and what Jesus did, dying on the cross, taking my punishment on himself so I could be forgiven, uh, so everything I've done wrong can be forgiven, so I could have a fresh start, so I could have a relationship with God, um, I want that for myself. Um, again, everyone's heads down, everyone's praying, uh, no one's looking around. He said, that's me. Now, would you pray with me? I want to receive that forgiveness from God tonight. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real quick so I can pray with you? Thank you, I see that hand. Is there anybody else? He said, now would you pray with me? I want to ask God to forgive me. I want to be made right with God. Anybody else? Thank you, I see you. Just pray along with me in your heart. Father God, thank you uh, for sending your son Jesus to the earth. Thank you that he lived a sinless life, a perfect life, a life I could never live. And that on the cross, he took my place. God, would you please forgive me of my sins. I'm trusting not in my own ability to do right, but I put my trust completely, put my faith completely in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save me and make me right with you. God, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. I put my faith and my trust in you right now tonight. God, please forgive my sins. Give me a clean heart, a fresh start. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And for those of you guys that prayed that prayer and meant it, right now, right now, you're a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've been. Every single sin is forgiven. When God looks at you, he doesn't see the grime and the mess of everything you've done wrong. But he sees his perfect child that he created. Totally forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. You're adopted into the family of God. You have a room in his house, a seat at his table forever. 